Our subject for tonight is the next chapter in the uh, key doctrines of the Christian faith uh, booklet or the Christian gospel, and it's entitled Regeneration, uh, Being Born of God. So the title gives away uh, really what we're going to be speaking about, but we're going to elaborate a little on what regeneration is, and uh, we'll say more about that in a moment. But first, let's take a reading together from God's word. Uh, So let's take a reading from uh, Titus chapter 3. This is Paul's letter to to Titus, one of his friends and colleagues. Um, There's much in the letter, but we're going to uh, restrict ourselves to uh, chapter 3 and verses 3 through to 8. So Titus chapter 3, verses 3 through to 8. And notice as we read, Um, that Paul is reminding Titus that we once were something and now are something different. And the reminder comes to us today as we read it as well. Verse three, at one time we too were foolish, disobedient, deceived and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. We lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. But when the kindness And love of God, our Saviour, appeared. He saved us, not because of righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth. And that's the word renewal. Sorry, that's the word regeneration and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ, our Saviour, so that having been justified by his grace, we might become heirs, having the hope of eternal life. This is a trustworthy saying, and I want you to stress these things so that those who have trusted in God may be careful to devote themselves to doing what is good. These things are excellent and profitable for everyone. So it's there in verse five, the phrase that says he saved us through the washing of rebirth. Uh, The word is translated in the new international version that I'm reading is rebirth is a Greek word that means regeneration and then speaks about the renewal to making new uh, by the Holy Spirit poured out on us from God. What about regeneration, the word in, in everyday use? Uh, in general usage, we, we might understand it as speaking of developing or improving something um, in an attempt to make it as good or as successful as it once was. And the idea is to bring new and maybe vigorous life to something that's lost it, maybe an area of a city or a type of industry or maybe even an institution. Think of Manchester City regeneration. That's the old inner city region of an old industrial city that had died Uh, due to a change in the way um, industry occurs and due to lack of investment and people moving out of the area into the suburbs and such like. So the council then has has worked hard to develop schemes to bring fresh investment and improve infrastructure and attract businesses and people into the area. And the council itself promotes Manchester city centre as a place to live, work and visit. Well, what about a biological usage of the word 
regeneration. Speaks of the formation of new animal or plant tissue, usually after some damage. Think about whenever we have a wound and our body kicks in to, to heal the wound and our skin um, comes back and our wound is healed. Or what about a forest that maybe has been logged, a part of it cut down or maybe some of it damaged by fire. And in time, it regenerates. Uh, the forest grows again. Or remember those little lizards that you go and try and catch one by the tail and it tail, its tail comes off in your hand and it runs away because it's its escape mechanism. That tail will grow back and that creature is not the only one that has that sort of skill and talent. So those are usually the two ways in which we would uh, use commonly the word regeneration. But tonight our focus is on biblical regeneration or spiritual regeneration as it's used by God through the biblical authors in his word for us. Now there's a big, big difference between our general everyday usage of regeneration in the two ways I've mentioned it and what God speaks of. So there's a big difference between general usage and biological usage and biblical regeneration. Big difference between inner city regeneration or a lizard regrowing its tail. Because the Bible repeatedly tells us that as sinners, and all of us have sinned, we have no life to begin with. Regeneration in common everyday usage uh, usually implies that there has been life or there is life already. But when we come to the Bible, we learn that sinners who are regenerated are considered to be dead because we are sinners. Now, we need to explain this a little bit because we are living and breathing creatures and that life and breath has been given to us by God. So what does God mean whenever he talks about uh, giving us life or regenerating, bringing life to something that he says is dead? In what way are we dead? So we'll tackle this. We're going to look at regeneration under four headings just quickly this evening. What is it, firstly? And we've started to define that. Secondly, how does it happen? Uh, thirdly, when does it happen? And fourth, what is the outcome? So what is biblical regeneration according to God from what he shows us in his word? Given that sinners are counted as dead, that's their default setting before God. And we do not have the capacity to change the default setting. It requires somebody from outside to change that setting. It's, it's speaking of us being dead in terms of our relationship with the creator who made us. So our deadness is in terms of relationship. While we are living and breathing creatures, because of sin, we have turned away from God who is the originator and source of life and have chosen to go and live life our own way. And that has brought this separation between us and God. And the Bible describes that separation as being dead. So we are spiritually dead. Our, our relationship with God is not there because as sinners, 
we are against God, want to have nothing to do with God. In Ephesians chapter 2, Steve took us through this portion a few weeks ago. Uh, we reminded there that Paul writes to the church of God in Ephesus and the believers who comprise that. And he said, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world. So he does say that we live, but in our natural default state, we live in such a way that follows the ways of the world. And God says that that's being dead, i.e. we have no living spiritual relationship with God. You then go to Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 18. And Paul says there that sinners who are continuing in their sin are separated from the life of God. And it's because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. So we can see that there's this separation from the life of God. So when the Bible describes us as being dead, we're spiritually dead because we are separated from the life of God. And God is the creator of all. Longs for us to have spiritual life in connection with him. But we don't automatically have it because we're sinners. That's why we've read in Titus chapter 3 and verse 3, Paul says to Titus, remember, this is what you once were, foolish, disobedience, deceived and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. That's a description of being slaves to sin. We lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. And not only that, hating God. It says that elsewhere. So spiritual life, according to the scriptures, according to God's word, is an eternal living relationship with God. The opposite of this eternal non-relationship with God. That God says is death and is a consequence of us being sinners. Now this spiritual life relationship with God is jump-started by him. So in an attempt to say, and describe what is this regeneration, this being born of God, then uh, we see that God is the one who brings it. So how does it happen? It's a work of the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. One God in three persons, always working to bring about that which is for the glory of God. In Romans chapter 4 and verse 17, Paul says there that it's God who gives life to the dead and calls into being things that were not. So we're coming back to the reality that God has always existed and he is the one through the intention of his will has created all things. And in the matter of us receiving life and spiritual life and connection with him, which is the opposite of our natural condition as sinners, he is the one who gives life to the dead. He does that to those who are physically dead, and that's the promise of the gospel, that he will raise all those who are in Christ Jesus from the dead, along with Christ, because he has proven his power over death. But he's also the one who gives this life to overcome our spiritual deadness in the first place. The Father 
we learn from Ephesians chapter one, has purposed this great salvation for us. The son is the one who achieves it by his coming, having been sent into the world and going to the cross and then through death into resurrection glory. He's the one who achieves it. And the Holy Spirit is the one who applies that work that the son has achieved that was purposed and planned by the father. So what we learn from God's word is that the spirit of God is is the person of the Trinity, not working independently, but always working as one God. He's the one who generates and creates spiritual life. He is the active agent of God on us and in us to bring life. And that's what Jesus spoke of to Nicodemus in John chapter three. In that portion from um, verse three through on to verse eight and beyond, um, he speaks about the need to be born again, about new life being necessary. And this was spoken to the great teacher of the law of the Jews to Nicodemus. And he said something very important in that. He said, flesh gives birth to flesh. Spirit gives birth to spirit. It shows us there's no evolution from flesh life to this spiritual life that would naturally happen in our experience. He's saying that the spirit must come. The spirit of God must come and do his work to generate life where there is no life. And that little portion, John 3, sits alongside Ezekiel 36 and verses 25 to 28. That's maybe something you can go and, and look at yourselves. Now, the Holy Spirit is then the agent who is the one who brings this work of God to us. How does it happen? God is the one who brings life to what is dead. But the new life comes to us through the word of God. First Peter chapter one and verse 23 Peter, there writing to believers, says, you have been born again through the living and enduring word of God. And James, he's writing to Christians as well in chapter one and verse 18. The verse that follows the one that says that we receive from the father of lights all good things and there's no change with him. Goes on to say he chose to give us birth through the word of truth. And the word of truth is the gospel, the gospel of God that points us to Jesus, the provided savior. And the Holy Spirit is the one to apply the finished work of Christ to dead sinners that they might have life. And this brings us then to the work of Jesus Christ. How does it happen? How can this life be applied to us guilty sinner rebels who are dead? because we are separated from the life of God. It's because God has dealt with our sin in Jesus Christ, in his eternal son, who, when he went to the cross, suffered the wrath of God against our sin. And that wrath is described as, as a burning separation from God in that there's no relationship with God. And that's a description that persists in the New Testament. And at the end of our New Testament, the description 
of a lake burning with fire where people are separated from the life of God. But God is there in his wrath against them. And that's frightening. But for those who are born again or who are regenerated, we know God for us as the God of grace and mercy. And because in Jesus Christ, he has dealt with our sin. So that that no relationship separation was experienced by Jesus Christ on the cross in the moments of his suffering so that we might be able to step in to a relationship with him because our sins are forgiven because of what Jesus has done. And that forgiveness is not automatic. It comes to those who trust. 1 Corinthians 15 tells, tells us when Paul writes, says, uh, Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures. He was buried and he was raised on the third day, according to the scriptures. It's because Jesus was raised that this reality of life is true. Romans 5 and 6, Paul says, when we were still powerless as sinners who could do nothing to generate this relationship of life with God, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. And in Ephesians chapter 2, in that opening section, Paul goes on to say that we who were dead in our transgressions and our sins were made alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. That's why Paul, he repeats a similar thing in Titus chapter 3 that we have open before us in verses 4 and 5, speaks of the kindness and love of God our Savior appearing and he saved us, not because of the righteous things we have done, because there's nothing that we can do that can bring us into this life relationship with God. It's because of his mercy, Paul says. And he saved us through the washing of rebirth, this regeneration, this process of cleansing us from sin that was and required the, the offering of his own son on the cross, that the forgiveness of sins would be possible and God would be satisfied with regards to our sin and the renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Here we see the Trinity together working to bring us into this life, regenerating, bringing life where there was spiritual death. When does that happen? Well, it happens at the moment that God determines it will happen for each of us. But it happens, too, when the spirit at that moment that God has determined imparts to us the spiritual capability to perceive Christ as Savior and gives us the gift of faith that means that we believe in him as the only Savior. We have that life given to us the capacity to trust in Christ the Savior. It's a work of God. Some of us can look back to a moment when that happened. Others can't. But maybe know that there was an awareness of it having happened. Jesus said in John chapter 5 and verse 24, he says, Very truly I tell you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. 
and will not be judged, but is crossed over from death to life. So it's the one who hears the word. We thought about God's word being necessary for this being born of God to occur. Whoever hears the word of God and believes in the one who sent Jesus and believes in him as the saviour, then receives this eternal life and is crossed over from death to life. That's what regeneration is all about. So Titus was told by Paul in verse eight, he says, I, I want you to stress these things to the believers. He said, to those that have trusted in God. So when does this happen? When we put our trust in God as the saviour, who says he will give life to dead sinners who cannot achieve that life, that relationship with him on their own. He comes and gives the life and grants it in his grace. And what is the outcome then? The outcome is, is a new birth. Jesus in speaking to Nicodemus spoke of being born again. You need to be born again, Nicodemus. You can't see the kingdom of God and you can't enter the kingdom of God unless you're born again and being born again is that idea of a new life full of all of its possibilities we've we've had the joy haven't we this week of hearing of little ivy being born and the excitement of that new life and the excitement of all the possibilities that are there that's what jesus was getting at with nicodemus it's a new life step into it by trusting in god the one who has provided this life and energizes your life. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17, Paul there says that those who are in Christ, that the new creation has come. So God, who created all things in the beginning out of nothing, starts a new creation work out of nothing in us to bring about a life connection with him that is eternal. And we are the beginning of his new creation work that he is doing across the whole creation. We're the first to experience this regenerating work of God. Paul says in Romans chapter 8 and other places that God is going to bring about a newness to this creation that has had death come into it. And he's going to take that away. And there's going to be a regeneration. And Jesus spoke of that as well. And Matthew spoke about the regeneration that is coming. And those who will have a part in that are those who know the regenerating work of God now, having been born again as the work of God in their experience. You know, this all links back to some of the things that Ezekiel the prophet said in Ezekiel chapter 11 and verses 19 and 20. He was, God was speaking to corporate Israel but there are principles that come across to us. And he said to them through the prophet, he says, I will give them an undivided heart and put a new spirit in them. I will remove their heart of stone, deadness, and give them a heart of flesh, something that is alive. He says, and then they will follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. They will be my people and I will be their God. So the outcome is new life, new life to be lived for God. He gives us this new life, this new heart, this new capacity to understand 
his ways as being the best ways so that we then will live as his people. And he is delighted then to say that he is our God. What a glorious life God brings to those whom he gives new life to. That's what we're to live out, the outcome of that. Just like a newborn child, there's a lot of need for care, tension, nurture, so that we might bring about maturity in our lives for God. God has done this work in us. And he, he wants us then to be helped by the spirit, but also to put the energy in so that we might put into effect and show it the fruit and the results of this new life that he has given us. In Ephesians chapter four and verse 24, uh, Paul said there to the believers, he said, put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. That's what this new life is all about. It's to put on a new self. That which has started internally should be seen externally as we live this new life for God. And that's why Paul, in verse 8 of Titus chapter 3, said, I want you to stress these things so that those who have trusted in God may be careful to devote themselves to doing what is good. And these things are excellent and profitable for everyone. That's the outcome. If there's true life, that God has given to us and it's genuine. It's not something we feel we've generated ourselves, but something that God has given us. This spiritual connection with him, this capacity to live for him, then it will be seen because the things that flow out of that life are excellent and profitable for everyone. What does this do for us? Doesn't it cause us to want to praise God for his grace and mercy to us. Because as sinners, we were not deserving of any of this. But God in his great purposes of grace from all of eternity. Has set his love on us. And through the work of the son. In his life and his death and his resurrection. And the work of the spirit. To apply that finished work to our lives. God in his grace brings us. Into eternal life which is to know him better day by day and to show the effects of that in our living here and now.